0: Welcome to the Hands in Motion podcast, brought to you by the American Society of Hand Therapists. Here we will discuss all things upper extremity therapy, from assessment to treatment, the latest research, the patient experience, and other topics related to the field of upper extremity rehab. Learn more and subscribe today at asht.org. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Hands in Motion. I'm Kara Smith, and I'm Stephanie Strauss. 2020 brought many challenges to not only our personal lives, but also our professional lives. Many of us had to rethink the way that we provided hand therapy services to our patients, and we jumped right into telehealth. Our guest today, though, is no stranger to telehealth. In 2018, she was looking for a new way to provide access to hand therapy and began seeing patients virtually. Now, one year in a pandemic, more patients are seeking telehealth services and finding value in this approach to therapy. On this episode, we will be discussing how hand therapy can be delivered through telehealth and how we as clinicians can show our consumers, payers, and referring providers the value
1: of telehealth. It's so nice to have you on the show. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So what we're going to get started talking about is telehealth and the current changes that have happened over the past year. So if you don't mind, give us a little bit of a background about what your current practice environment is like and what you've been doing over the past year in regards to telehealth. Well,
2: my practice is a virtual only practice. So, you know, nothing really changed for me when the whole pandemic hit. I was I was doing telehealth even before that. So in 2018 was when I started doing it. So I had a little bit of practice under my belt. So for me, things didn't really change. I was used to already being virtual only. And so when the pandemic hit, I would say if anything that changed, I got really busy, (laughs) like way (laughs) busier than, you know, I was a new practice anyway. So I was, you know, I was growing before the pandemic, but nothing like just kind of getting you on the map, you know, really quickly than the pandemic.
1: What piqued your interest in telehealth? What made you want to start getting in telehealth prior to COVID?
2: So lots of reasons, lots of reasons. So I've been a a therapist for 17 years. And, you know, over the years, just like any therapist that works in the clinic, there's lots of things that you, that you see or want to change, you notice things, you know, I was, at the time when I first started getting the idea, I was living in northern Indiana. And so there was snow and bad weather. And, you know, we'd have these elderly people still trying to drive to therapy. And it's like, you just, you guys don't need to be doing this you know, or out in, you know, rural areas and farmers and, you know, people would be just, they wouldn't be able to come back to therapy, you know, or if they did, it wouldn't be for, you know, weeks or months or whatever. And I just, I felt like there was, you know, at the time I, I knew there was some, way that I could still help them. And I would call them on the phone, you know, like back then, it was just, you know, send me pictures of your wound. And we'll hop on the phone, like in a week and just see how you're doing. So I can walk you through some things. And so, you know, at the time, I didn't really know what telehealth was really, you know, I just, you know, in our hearts, we want to help patients. And so we try to figure out whatever way, you know, we can, Because heaven forbid somebody goes too long without moving, you know, we know, we know what happens. So, you know, I, I just knew there was, there were people that we weren't, we weren't reaching also, you know, people not having access to our services because we're so limited. There's not that many of us, you know, even though we're growing in numbers, there's still not that many hand therapists. And so that was always kind of bothering me too, is that people not getting access to specialists, you know? And so I really just kind of started thinking of, you know, how can I, there's gotta be a way to reach these people that live far away or can't be seen because of weather and and other things too is that some people just didn't even need to be seen that much or they didn't even need to come to therapy for that much. I only needed to show them maybe a few simple little exercises to add. And so it was kind of almost unnecessary <laughs> that they needed to come all the way into the clinic just to just to show them an increase of an exercise or just to take a peek at their wound to make sure, you know, nothing changed. Just things like that. So also at the time, several years back, I had posted a video on YouTube, I had started like a really small YouTube channel. Like it was, I mean, like in my bedroom, I was recording a video of just some hand exercises. And this is in like 2016. And so I just posted that video. And that video got like hundreds and hundreds of comments about how much the video helped them and how much they hadn't had access to any kind of exercises like that, or nobody prescribed anything to them. The doctor didn't give them any guidance or they couldn't afford therapy. I mean, there were just so many different types of comments that I would hear. And I mean, actually that video is still up. It's kind of embarrassing to say, and and now (laughs) everybody's probably going to go check it out, (laughs) but that video has like 250,000 views right now. And it can, to get more and more and more and more. I mean, it's my top video and people still comment on that. And so I know that video is still helping. And so we know video can help and that's considered kind of almost asynchronous telehealth, right? Cause it's like not, it's not real time. So if that can truly help somebody then like actually seeing the person live, you know, I knew that would be able to help them too.
0: So did you see, I know you said that you've you've been doing this well, and I was fortunate enough to hear you speak in 2019 at the ASHT meeting. I was excited to hear, hear that, hear your talk, and even hear you this last year during the virtual conference. Have you seen or did you see changes to your practice in 2020? Anything that other than, I know you said growth, but Did you see a change in the patients that you were getting, like the types of patients you were getting or the, the referrals? What, what sort of changes did you see?
2: Yeah. So I think before COVID I was getting a lot more older type of injuries. So, you know, I was kind of, you know, seeing people that had had therapy and maybe didn't really, you know, recover fully. And so they were still continuing to search for somebody to help them like maximize, you know, their recovery. So I might see an older injury, or perhaps somebody had some mismanaged care, and, or maybe they never even went to see a doctor or, or anybody. And so they're like, is it too late to fix my finger? Like now I need help, you know, so I was kind of filling in kind of those gaps of, you know, trying to, and then for those people, I would kind of gear them to whatever the necessary care is that they needed. But once COVID hit, then yes, definitely. I started seeing more like like post-operative people. I started seeing just a variety. I mean, I do see a variety as it is, but I definitely, the part of seeing post-operative care definitely grew. That didn't grow hugely though when like surgeries were canceled, though, right? So a lot of those surgeries were canceled. And so like many other clinics, I didn't see a lot of post operative stuff. But I did see those people that therapy stopped for them, right? They're like, I can't go in because the clinics closed, or therapists got laid off, you know, or patients really, they didn't want to go in. That was kind of the number one thing that I found was most of them would just say, I don't feel comfortable going into, you know, the therapy clinic or go anywhere unnecessarily, you know, I I want to do the virtual care. So I think that was probably the biggest change was that I started seeing more post-operative people, but that's kind of since tapered off just a little bit, I still see post-operative, but now that you know, therapists are back in the clinic, and they have those referral sources from hand surgeons, you know, they're still going into the clinic. But I still will see people that don't want to go in. And, you know, they're like, I know I can do a lot of those people, they they know they can do their exercises on their own, they just need somebody to show them. And so they're like, I they know that telehealth will work for them. And, you know, those are I mean, those are the best people. See, they're like, yeah, just tell me what to do, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know they're gonna do good. (laughs)
0: Absolutely. (laughs) Those compliant and adherent patients. That's that's right. Do it on their own at home.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And they see the benefit of it, you know, because they're, I mean, that's one of the great things about telehealth, is they're doing it themselves. They're doing it to themselves and they're feeling their own skin and feeling their own, you know their own hand, their own arm, they're, they're getting that sensory input, they're making those connections from their hands to their fingers to the brain, you know, I just, there's just so much more about it, I think, than a lot of, you know, therapists kind of see. But it's opened my eyes too. that's the other thing is I got to see, I went from, you know, seeing, I don't know, I wasn't as busy in the beginning, like I said, because I was a new practice and growing and Plus, I'm a private practice. I'm a cash paid practice. So that's sometimes some slower growth. So after COVID hit, then I definitely grew. And so with that, I grew in all the types of diagnoses and all the different types of conditions. So if anything, I think that helped me become even more experienced in being able to see different things, you know, and think outside of the box. And That's probably one thing that definitely helped. I think a lot of therapists with this whole thing too, is when they kind of had to go into telehealth, it kind of forces you to think outside the box, right? Like you can't, you're having to rely on your patient's hands, right. To do the work. Sure.
0: Well, and what's in their home and what they have accessible to them for exercise. They don't have the, the fancy tools that we have in our clinics. They, you've got to figure out what's, what's in their cabinets and what they have at home to, to use. Oh boy. They have stuff though. <laughs> you may have
1: yeah,
0: for sure. <laughs> oh my goodness.
2: I just had, I just had this client, like she just, just this week, she, I had her take a picture because I was like, nobody will believe me how much stuff that you have. I mean, she probably had like 10 different wrist braces. Like she had a foot braces. She's got like, I don't know, 10 different balls. I mean, people buy stuff. That's the thing that a lot of people don't realize they're buying stuff even before they go see you. Cause they're looking online, you know? So I, I will have patients just Send me, what about this? What about this? Even after I see them, they're still sending me pictures of stuff. Like, do you think this will help? I'm like, stop buying stuff. <laughs>
1: I'm amazed at how much the patients will go out and buy on their own. You know, like we'll get stuff in the clinic and they'll be using things in the clinic, and they're like, Oh, yeah, I bought that for home. Oh, I got that product over there. Yeah, I got that one for home, too. I can do all this at home. And it just surprises me that they're willing to, you know, take so much vested interest in in their recovery, which is good. That's what we want,
2: yes, yes. and and when they have it at home already, that makes my job even easier because I'm like, you know, I want to show you how to tape. Like, I really think you would benefit from kinesio tape, right? And they're like, "Oh, I have that. Yeah, my husband had some plantar fasciitis. I've got that. Let me go grab that." You know, and <laughs> they're like, "Perfect. I don't have to have you order it and wait a couple days to get
1: it." <laughs> right, right. So, with COVID hitting recently, I have had to go to telehealth. On the rare few occasions that I have, and the first one I actually did was a flexor tendon repair, which was a little more challenging. Now they were able to get into the clinic to get the orthosis made, but it was really I had to kind of go into a whole different mode to try and say, okay, well, show me this and show me that. So it was it was very different to get used to that approach. So how did you switch from changing your in person approach? to the telehealth approach, or, I mean, it's very different when you're on the phone. Okay. How does this, you know, how's it going with this? How's it going that? But when you have them in front of you and you want to make sure you're providing that quality of care because they're still paying for your service and you just don't want it to be, Oh yeah, that looks good. Oh, yep. Looks good. Oh, do this a little bit more. Just make, have it have more value to both you as the clinician and the therapist and the patient as well.
2: Yeah, no, I, I definitely, the way that I think that I provide value is through connecting with them and providing more of that emotional support, that mental health. Like that's probably one of the positive things that I found with doing the telehealth is you're really engaging You're, I mean, you're connecting with them and building relationship. We do that in the clinic anyway, but I feel like, you know, it's just you and that patient. There's not a bunch of patients coming in and out. Somebody's growing a hot pack. Somebody's sitting next to you. Somebody's, you know, getting called in, called back, leaving phone calls. Blah, there's none of that overhead kind of like chaos going on. Yeah, you get some dogs barking and the garbage truck might be kind of loud or whatever, but I mean it's you're connecting with that person you're watching them as long as you know you've got your eyeballs on them and you're i really just make sure that i'm i'm asking them questions i'm asking them how that feels i'm asking them how are you getting along in your day like if they're sitting in their living room they're going to talk to you about like oh we'll see this you know they're going to pull stuff from their environment and You know, that is not only great for conversation, right? And just again, connecting with them and establishing a relationship, but, you know, you're getting to know them and getting to know what it is that their goals are and what they need to get back to doing. And then also learning how this injury is affecting them in their home and on a more personal basis, more than I think you can, when you see them in the clinic. You know, you're, there's just some things that you're just, they're not going to either feel comfortable maybe talking about, but they might not even think about it until they get home. And then they go, Oh, you know, I really wanted to talk to you about this or that. But when you're actually like one lady I see in her kitchen, like every day, I like not every day, but once a week, like I'm in her kitchen, you know, and she's like, she's walking around putting the hot pack in the microwave and she's doing <laughs> the rice in the bowl and we're chit chatting. And she's like, Oh, I wanted to show you this thing that I got. And you know, it's just a I'm like the fly on the wall, you know. I'm just but we're having the conversation and really digging into that, providing that emotional support. And that's the way that I connect to them because I can't touch them, right? I can't kind of hold their hand. So if you can do it more with your words and your compassion and still showing that you're genuinely still interested in helping them and figuring out ways to help them get better, they still feel that. They still can, you know, they can still tell. If I was like looking off to the side and typing and not making eye contact and I'm like, yeah, okay, how do you feel? What's your pain? Da, da, da. Like, of course, they would be like, that was an awful experience. But that's not how I run my sessions, you know, that's, I run them very differently. <laughs> and I feel like you have to with telehealth. I, you know, the first thing I is not what's your pain. Like, I'm not focusing just on that. It's like, it's, how are you doing? You're greeted with a smile. And like, you just, you know, what's going on with you today? And, and how has your week been? And just creating that more conversation piece, you know, and they feel like they can share some things because again, they're, they're in their home. They're in their comfort zone, you know?
0: Do you find that most of your sessions are more of a conversation as opposed to, you know, sometimes when we get in the clinic, it's let's move from this exercise to this manual back to this exercise or just kind of having them do something sometimes nonstop. But do you find that your telehealth visits are more of a conversation of, well, maybe show me this or let's talk through this? Yes. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a huge part of what we do is
2: education, right? So within that education component, you are talking them through stuff. So you're still addressing whatever it is, the injury you're seeing them for, or if you're instructing them on, you know, their post-surgical protocols or anything, that's still education. And you're still just kind of chatting with them, you know, even though you're kind of teaching them and educating, it still is like a conversation piece. And then they're asking questions about that and, you know, always making sure that they're understanding what it is that you're saying. And so, it is less physical. I mean, they're moving and stuff and, but sometimes I have to keep them on track and we could just (laughs) chit, you know, for some people you can chit chat forever and be like, okay, wait, we should be doing exercises right now. Like let's move, let's move. So often I'll have them like, you know, go through some exercises while we're just chatting, you know, as well, just to make sure that they're following through. But cause I'm an OT too. So it has helped me kind of tap into some of what I learned in, an OT school of, of addressing that social and emotional and psychological component, which, you know, we in busy clinics, we, we don't have that ability to do that. And, you know, people are way more than that. You know, if we're not addressing that, then we're missing such a huge part of their overall recovery.
1: So, I know you said you are more of a cash based business. So, and I don't know if you can give us any insight into this. And how do we communicate to the payers, insurance companies that may pay? I know myself, they were very willing to pay when restrictions were pretty rigid and people couldn't get into the clinic. But now that things have opened up, they're not as apt to pay for a virtual visit or telehealth visit. How can we kind of promote that and say, you know, just because things have lightened up a little bit, there are still those patients that may not be able to get into the clinic that have nothing to do with COVID, but could still benefit from the visit.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think a a lot of it, I mean, obviously, we still have work to do, right? And things are still in legislature. I mean, there's all, there's the expanded telehealth access act that is kind of on the plate right now. So, you know, if that goes through, then, I mean, that's half the battle, right, is to get the legislation through and have OTs and PTs on the list. And so as Medicare starts doing reimbursement for that, and then hopefully additional payers will, of course, you know, follow along with that and go along with that. But what we can do as therapists is document the benefits and document and make sure that we're saying, like, this is a virtual session, and how what was the goal? We were in the patient's kitchen. The patient was actually able to open the refrigerator door with their, you know, injured hand with no pain, I mean, making sure we're doing those functional goals, but stating that we are doing them through a telehealth visit. So you've got to make sure you're documenting that because if you're just documenting it as a regular visit, like you're almost in person, you know, we have to have a way of tracking that, right? It's all numbers, it's all a numbers thing, they're gonna to have to see that. And I think You know, as they're crunching numbers, probably now they're looking at all this past data of 2020, probably right now and, and all that's probably kind of getting deciphered, you know, as we speak. And I think that's why this expanded telehealth act is out there because they realize that, wait a minute, even though it was supposed to be temporary, right, they were supposed to pull telehealth, we were supposed to be pulled as providers, but they were like, wait, this actually helped people and this is going to still help people so we can't just take this away from people and and so i think we're going to continue to see it stay i think it's i mean it's going to stay but i think as therapists you know we're always fighting whether we're in person or or not it's like we're always fighting for like budget cut there's budget cuts you know or like they're cutting this cutting that and you have to code this differently and whatever the case may be, but I think we just, it all comes down to our documentation improving, proving, you know, how it can help and why it can help and how we are in the home with them, even though we're not technically in the home, right? I mean, in making those functional goals and proving that it can be a good tool in our toolbox, basically, right?
0: So we've talked a little bit about obviously the value that the patients see in this and then now even our payers and what we can do. Have you, I guess, seen any maybe pushback from referring providers that or surgeons if it's post-op, have you seen any pushback there or are referring providers seeing the value in telehealth and teletherapy as well?
2: So I have kind of like two thoughts on that. I, yes, I have seen some pushback from a few surgeons. One said that, how could I help somebody when I'm not pushing on them and pushing hard on them? So, you know, there's a group, there's different groups of doctors, right? And there's different thought processes I see that people improve if you don't push hard on them and don't cause them pain. I see it completely in a different light, but there are lots of uh, other practitioners that think that you have to push on people in order to push them the pain. But this one particular doctor also waited six to eight weeks to even send them to therapy. So
1: (laughs) uh, yes,
2: exactly. So we know there's other factors involved with that. So and I have, like, I recently spoke with a hand surgeon that said he actually tried telehealth himself, and he was like, "I just couldn't do it," you know. So he tried it. He only tried it one time. <laughs> you know,
0: I was like, Valiant okay, effort there." You
2: need some practice. But he's also a surgeon, and I understand the surgeons. You know, they need to get the X-ray and actually, you know, see the patient and, and things like that. So there definitely has been some pushback, and when I first started, I mean, this was again in 2018. And so back then it was like, nobody payers weren't even paying anyway, it was out of pocket. And they were like, what are you doing? So I had to kind of be private pay anyway. But, you know, I just decided at that time to go straight to the consumer though. So I chose to, after bashing my head against the wall of trying to tell these doctors, like, Hey, this, is really beneficial like people do get better this way it is another tool in our toolbox and you know there are certain people that would really really benefit from this yes it's not for everybody but so i decided to go straight to the consumer instead because they're ultimately the ones looking for help right so if they're not happy with their current therapist, they're going to look elsewhere. If they're not happy with their current doctor, they're going to look elsewhere. If they're not making progress, like they want to, they're going to look elsewhere. So I want to be the person that they go and look elsewhere to. So, (laughs) so because of some pushback, I chose to just skip that and not go through, you know, the, the doctors.
0: I know you said you've been doing this for a few years. Have you had any repeat customers because <laughs> they saw the value in telehealth. And were like, you know what, I'm going to do that as opposed to having to drive somewhere or, you know, go in for a visit. I can do it from my home.
2: Yes. Yeah. So I've had, I've had a few repeats and referrals. Usually it's referral like, Oh, so-and-so saw you, you know, like a year ago and was raving about you. And so I was like, Hey, that's the best kind of referral. Yeah, I mean, that's the best people is when you get referrals. Sure. And then people that, you know, because I am private pay people, sometimes they don't, they don't want to see me too many times, right. Or or they maybe can't afford to see me too many times. And so for those people, I really make sure I, I mean, I try to give them as everything possible within that time I have with them so that they can be armed with the next several weeks or even months of what they're supposed to do. And so for those people, then they'll come back, like, they're like, okay, I did everything you told me to do. And I just need like a little bit more. So then they'll come back, you know, when, and maybe just need some strengthening exercises or something, you know, they're functional, they're fine. They just need a little bit more or a wrist fracture that maybe then develops some TFCC pain or something later on
0: and wants me to take a peek or something like that. So yeah, most definitely. What happens when you find that there's something that you can't provide via telehealth, then what do you do? Do you have resources that you can set patients up with? Or what do you do in that case when you recognize that a patient needs that in-person visit?
2: So I go to ASHT directory, or I go to <laughs> a- HTCC directory, you know, where I, I find out what is the zip code that they live in and, and do a search and see if there is a hand therapist anywhere near them, or, uh, you know, hand surgeon, you know, if that's the case, too, maybe they never went and saw anybody. So, you know, that's often, sometimes I'll, I'll see that where people didn't even go to the, the doctor at all, or they maybe saw an ortho that was a general ortho, but they need a hand surgeon. So, so yeah, I will search for them, help them advocate for a specialist and then lay that out as far as why they need to do that. So even if there is one farther away, you know, if they're a a PIP joint contracture, you know, they, the things they buy off of Amazon to try to help their PIP joint contractures. (laughs) I'm like, okay,
0: guys,
2: (laughs) you really could use like a serial cast. You know, I need you need a hand therapist to make this for you, you know, just for example. And so I lay that out to them and say like, Okay, what what you have right now is not working, right? So, we really need to, even if you drive an hour to go see somebody, you know, you need to see somebody, you know, and, and then just have them evaluate you a little more and see if additional visits are even warranted. Maybe it's just one or two times, and then depending on what they're being seen for. So, definitely thankful for organizations that have directories and have people listed so I can try to find people near them.
1: So I have a question. Many of our older population, they are getting very tech savvy, but there are those few who are like, no, I don't do that. I have a flip phone. I don't have a computer. (laughs) I don't have internet access. How do you kind of talk them through that if you really feel that they could benefit from telehealth? Well, my grandma... Like is more
2: tech savvy than most. (laughs) 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 But yeah, there you're right. There, I mean, there are some that it just doesn't work for them. It just, I'm not gonna push something that's just not gonna work and it's just gonna be more frustrating. And if they don't have a device that you can see them and truly see what it is you're trying to evaluate or assess, that's ultimately not gonna benefit them at all. So, you know, it's to me, it's that's a population that you know, you would not push, you know, if they are, if they are very concerned about wanting to stay away from clinics or because they are concerned about viruses or something, then in that case, then I would be suggesting a caregiver or a, you know, perhaps a son or daughter or somebody that they might feel comfortable to at least set it up for them and go about it that way. So for that case, you'd have to kind of investigate a little bit more and see if they have other resources that you could see them, but if not, then ultimately it would be better for them to to go into the clinic,
1: right? And that's what I did. I mean, you know, I kind of said, "Oh, do you have a daughter or son that can?" And they helped out a little bit, so it ended up working out okay. But you know, they're just kind of stuck in their way, and they're yeah. like, "Nope, I'm not budging. That that's not a visit to me." You know, yeah. so
2: <laughs> I think that's less and less though. Now it's like it you is. Know, they're almost they're realizing like. I gotta just bite the bullet here and get
1: yeah, some and of them get are a smartphone. <laughs> yeah. Some of them honestly are on social media more than they should be on <laughs> social media. They're, you know, I saw this on that or I saw this advertised yes. on here and yeah, I was like, whoa.
2: My my friend's dad like just told her that he like there's this thing called YouTube. Like, just like last week, he was like, did you know there's this thing called YouTube? And she's like, are you serious? So, I mean, hey, better late than never, right? Right. right.
0: Well, and everybody doing Zoom happy hours and Zoom, you know, celebrations. Right. Hopefully this has increased our tech savviness. Oh, yeah. Or at least exposure. So, yes. yes. Whether they liked it, it or not. Telehealth. Right.
2: Yep. Yeah. And whether they continued on doing anything like that, I mean, even if they tried it once or twice, most of them, they're comfortable with it. And if you make your systems easy for them and not complicated with complicated apps to download or, or like anything like that, then it becomes a good process and it, gets, it becomes a good experience for them. If you make it really complicated for them, then yeah, they're not it's just like giving them a complicated home exercise program. They're not going to finish it, right? They're not going to complete it. So,
0: What is your typical, I guess, like plan of care for patients? Like how often are you seeing them and what the length of time is it, you know, a few visits or is it several visits? I know sometimes with different diagnoses, we're seeing patients twice a week for months or for telehealth. What have you typically seen?
2: So I kind of have a, a little bit of a different philosophy with, I don't like the typical two to three times a week for eight to 10 to 12, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It's often over-prescribed and unfortunately often, you know, not needed, unnecessary. Some of those visits are. And so that was another re- reason why I Liked telehealth, because I wanted to reduce that. Also, there's really some unnecessary treatments and things like that, and unnecessary visits when people can get better and less visits less time. So I usually only see people once a week, on occasion, twice in the beginning, because, you know, it depends on what it is I'm seeing them for if they're very stiff, or, you know, like I, I'll see you know, our typical distal radius fractures that haven't moved for a while, finger stiff, brawny swelling, things like that. So I I see them twice a week to make sure that they're comfortable with their exercises and make sure they're progressing too. Cause I want to see results pretty quickly. Cause if they're not, then, you know, I'm going to start looking for somebody for them to get their hands on them. If I realize that they're not maybe understanding or doing the exercises correctly or efficiently, But usually I just see people once a week and I see them for an hour if needed. If I'm going to see them like once every two weeks, then I definitely see them for, you know, an hour. But some visits are just a half hour, just a quick checkup. I even see mallet fingers this way, too. And so usually those are, you know, a quick checkup, like how's your skin like, are you not taking that off? And if you are, are you keeping your finger straight? Like, you know, go through the protocol, making sure everything's good. You know, talking about what the next couple of weeks might look like, you know, just kind of walking through the process. And I mean, that goes pretty quick, you know, half, half hour, hour even goes pretty quick, it seems like. But yeah, that's for the most part once a week and then for an hour, depending on, you know, what it is exactly that I'm, that I'm seeing them for. But I, I find that an hour... I mean, it's really good time to kind of chit-chat with them, find out well, how their week went, you know, watch them do the exercises, show them some adaptations or modifications maybe to make, or try a few different things if something's not working. Retry grant again to see, because I always like to you know I like to demonstrate, and then I like to watch them, and then I like to maybe modify by me doing things too. So that all kind of take some time, right? And then kind of talking about, okay, what the next. A couple of weeks might look like next thing you know, you're like, oh my gosh, I got to hop off here. I got another person.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that all goes back to, you know, saying that you're seeing them once a week and maybe your plan of care is getting shortened. And that I think goes back to showing the value to your consumer that your outcomes are, the same, if not better than maybe in person, you're showing that to the referring providers, you're showing that even to our payers. And so all of that combined can play into just this showing, you know, expressing this value that telehealth can have in hand therapy for our patients.
2: Yes, definitely. Yeah. So you can get better in less visits. What uh, less money? What? <laughs> what, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> like, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> but again, that's, sure. you know, sometimes I think that goes back to some of the, you know, some of the physicians not quite understanding the process. And so they kind of, it, some of them have a hard time even understanding, well, they don't even know what we do in person anyway, a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> okay, then they really get confused of what the heck are you doing? in virtual too. Right. But, you know, trying to, I, I think they even kind of see that, like, what do you mean less visits too? Like, how can they get better? So they're not, so we definitely need to do a better job as far as just even educating them on still, you know, what it is that we do and how we can still help them virtually and how they can get better and less visits because you are you are empowering them and you are having them do the exercises or do the modifications or, you know, do the sensory re-education. You're having them do all this stuff at the time too, not just throwing them a few things of uh, to do on their own and onto the next person. It's to me, it's more quality and they feel it at the time and they see it too. That's the other thing too, is I'm constantly taking screenshots. So they have almost like this little documentary of their, you know, of their exercises, like, Oh, look, this was me last week, or, you know, like, like with a mallet fingers, like a perfect example too. like, I'm always just taking like a little, okay, this is your start day one of weaning your splint, let's keep an eye and make sure it's not going to droop, you know, like, or your exercises when you're trying to get more flexion, like, look at how far away your palm that you were, and now look at you, you know, so I mean, that all plays a part in their. And even helping them going back to the mental component, they're like, okay, this is worth it. I am getting better. You know, I am improving and they're seeing it and they're feeling it. And so to me, it just, it just adds to the overall improvement of of them ultimately getting better and being, getting back to
0: whatever their normal is, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure.
0: Well, Stephanie, do you have any other questions? No, I
1: think we covered a lot of ground here. I yeah, think um did. I think it's some excellent information. And I think this is definitely something that is going to be expanding more into the future. So I think, Michelle, you you were kind of a couple years ahead of us all. <laughs> <laughs>
0: For sure. Well, I was I was really excited to hear you in 2019. I had just written a paper for a master's in healthcare administration on implementing telehealth and the research I was trying to find. I mean, even going to CMS, I got feedback from my professor saying, well, how do you know that CMS isn't going to pay for this? And I was like, CMS does what they want to do. And if they say they're not going to pay for something, they're not going to pay for something. And I don't get to ask the questions, but I think, you know, just the information that you've, you've shared with, with ASHT, and I think you've helped a lot of us through the pandemic and have, (laughs) have guided a lot of us into this realm of telehealth. And I know I'm appreciative of that. So, Thank you. Thank you. Well, yeah, I want to see more,
2: I want to see more hand therapists <laughs> out there because we yes. do. We, still, we still need to get our faces out there more, you know, For sure. there definitely needs to be more of us out there.
0: <laughs> well, and tell us, so I know you've mentioned your YouTube, you have a, a channel, I guess on there or, yes. okay. Yeah. So it's virtual hand you. care. Yep. Yep. Virtual hand care. Okay. Yep. There's,
2: there's more videos than just that one of me, like
1: awesome <laughs>
2: back in my living room in 2016.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're all checking that out. I
2: know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> we all have to start somewhere. That's all I have to say. Absolutely. Okay. We all have to start Absolutely. somewhere, but it's progressed and it's growing and it's super exciting. So
1: Hey, I'm sure it's excellent. If you had 250,000, how many ever you had? Yeah, (laughs) you're doing fine. It's It's (laughs) it's
2: it's close to that. It might not quite be that much, but it's, I mean, there's, like I said, there's a huge opportunity for us to be seen. And, you know, I want us to be found, our specialty to be found because we are the experts, not like other professions that. Have it gone through, but they're the ones being found. Like you know, the people, the professions that are not experienced and haven't worked in hands and truly, truly understand it. So it should be us that are being found, aren't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, we appreciate you being a, a bit of a pioneer for for us for heat therapy. So thank you.
1: We're appreciative of that. All right, thank you so much for taking the time this evening to speak with yes, us we appreciate it no problem
2: no problem if anybody has questions they can email me also at info at virtualhandcare.com you can also check me out on instagram and linkedin and yeah too many of those social media
1: all the social media <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all right great thanks <laughs>
0: no problem You've been listening to Hands in Motion, brought to you by the American Society of Hand Therapists. To learn more about ASHT and to subscribe to the show, please visit asht.org. We'll see you next time on the Hands in Motion podcast.